And we're back. We're, we're back. Let's talk about God podcast. Yes, we are. We're Today, back again. We're talking about God on the edge of Christmas. I can't wait. I'm ready. I know. I love Christmas time. I love Christmas music. I love Christmas. Elizabeth, at this point, has had our Christmas stuff up since probably November first. So it's been quite a while. Yeah, I like I like Christmas. Christmas is one of my favorite times of the year. I just I love it. And just joy, yeah, happiness, and especially with the kids too. I mean, when you guys left, it was kind of hard when y'all moved out. Uh, that is not fun mm-hmm. to have an empty house around Christmas time. Be boring, and you get married, and you have to be with your families and whatever. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of depressing. But having grandbabies, Sorry. that kind of just brings back the spark in life of at least the family events. I love seeing Bo like open up presents and stuff like that. Yep, yeah, Barrett, he just plays with paper yeah he doesn't even care <laughs> yep that's funny hey well now that we're talking about christmas and gifts today we're going to talk about the greatest christmas gift of all the birth of jesus the birth of jesus was it's that smooth that was smooth now that was better was that better that than was... the santa one about the incarnation yeah last the last one yeah that was uh that was that was much better <laughs> you're getting good at it today we are talking about the birth of jesus christ we felt like with it being christmas time that would be appropriate um to speak about his birth and um i would ask you to do a 30 second definition would that be appropriate, or would it take? Give me your three second definition. <laughs> Jesus was born. Boom! I don't think it can get any better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Today um, we want to talk about the birth of Christ, and we want to do something a little bit different. I know a lot of our uh, conversations are they're topical, so you would take like a, a, a theological doctrine or topic and and break it down. Today is topical. It's the birth of Christ. But today we're going to really be walking through scripture, um, particularly the birth narratives found in Matthew and Luke. What we want to do is um, just walk you through those stories and walk through the birth of Christ as reported by them and um, and break down what do we learn? What did the Holy Spirit, as he's inspiring Matthew and Luke, want us to know about Jesus through those stories of him being born. So I think we're going to have a good time today. Yeah, and I do too. And I'm going to, you may just mess everybody up right out the gate. Go for right it. Right out of the gate. Um, when we talk about the, look, this is often called the virgin birth. Mm-hmm. All right. It, it's really, um, so I'm going to mess you up here. And if, if you've got kids in the car, we'll, hopefully not, we won't create any issues here. I'll try to be careful. But um, most people do this with earbuds, I think. Mm. Um it's really not a virgin birth, but a virgin conception. Yeah. So, so we'll kind of start with Mary before we get, you know, into the birth of Christ. I mean, because, but it's or maybe a miraculous conception. The birth itself is not. That's normal. Yeah. It's the conception that is miraculous. That's miraculous and supernatural. And and so what I mean by that is, uh, Jesus' conception in Mary's womb was not the result. Of sexual relationship, mm-hmm. we know that. And, you know, with Joseph, remember they were engaged. So, for clarification, we see that they are that we we know that Joseph was going to divorce Mary, but in that time they were actually engaged. Well, to yeah, to use a word that espoused, yeah, but yes. it was a word that yeah, use a word that we're used to. Engaged will work. 
I, so, I say basically I say that to say they had not had relations right. yet. So it wasn't the result of that. It was the mm-hmm. result of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So it's a it's a miraculous conception, the virgin conception. And uh, I'll give you another thought. I never I was doing some research for this, and I never I, I get maybe I read it. I don't remember. It's not the kind of thing that sticks in your head. But this is this was kind of interesting. Just going to really just throw everybody right now, especially the ladies. Um, Mary was a virgin. Mm-hmm. She was a virgin up to the time of Jesus' conception, okay? And she continued so up to the point of his birth. Yeah. Because she had not had relations. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll say it that way. Yeah. And uh, because she and Joseph had no relations until after Jesus. I have never really thought about that. Yeah, she remained so. She remained a virgin. But anyway, that's just a little trivial side thing that I read in a, in my theology notes as I was reading. I'm like, okay, that's kind of out there yeah. a little bit. But that just maybe right now got your we got your attention now. It's like, wow, okay. So, yeah, we're going to talk today about the, the, the miraculous conception and birth yes. of Jesus Christ. And the passages kind of surrounding that, leading up to it, building up to it, the, you know, the announcements from angels and the various different things, the way— the different gospel writers open their books. I think you're going to enjoy it. I think you're going to learn a lot. And I think with this being so heavily, uh, when it, you know, we're expositing scripture today. I think when you go back and you read this, um, hopefully a lot of this will stick in your head as you read this in this Christmas yeah, season. Yeah, you know, at your church, listen to messages or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so there. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead. Let's start with the Gospel of Matthew. So if you don't know, go- the Gospels of Matthew and Luke are the two Gospels that provide a birth narrative. The Gospel of Mark is real fast. There's no birth narrative. He's always speeding. And then the Gospel of John begins with Jesus's preexistence. Um, him being God from all eternity. But Matthew and Luke actually give us these birth narratives. And so beginning with Matthew, one of the interesting things about Matthew is Matthew is writing to a primarily Jewish audience. So what he wants to show you is he uses the term fulfillment a lot, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies and the fulfillment specifically of the Old Testament um, prophecies. Prophecies about the Messiah. Messiah, right. And so he opens his gospel with the genealogy. Now, this is what you most likely skip over and go to the next thing when the stories actually start. But genealogies are good, and I believe we've talked about this on a previous episode. But he opens with this. This is the the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so Matthew is wanting to tell something to us before we get to this birth narrative and before we get to this gospel, that he is the son of David and the son of Abraham. Now, here's why that's important. We see Jesus Christ, and he's the son of David. Now, who is David in the Old Testament in Jewish history? David is the king of Israel at one point. He is the first Truly God-appointed, God-accepted king? Is that fair to Saul? Well, Saul was, but I think he was the godly king. He was the godly. He was the man after God's own heart. Man after God's own heart. Saul is the anti-type. He is not the king you want. Maybe not anti-type, excuse me. He is the king you don't want. Well, he was until until his heart was corrupted by the power and the position. And so we see King David, and he's a man after God's own heart, and he serves God, and... um, God shows up to him through the prophet, and he says, hey, there is going to be a king from your line on the throne forever, like forever. It will never 
ever end. And fast forward all of these years, basically Israel's in exile. They aren't truly their own nation. They're in Roman captivity. They don't actually have a king at this point. So God's people are kind of waiting, going, was God going to keep his promises? I thought we were going to have a king on the throne forever. And so what um, what Matthew is saying is that Jesus here is the son of David, is the king coming to reign forever. He is the Messiah, the Savior, coming to save Israel's people, and God will be faithful to his word. Well, he is, and and what he's doing is he's linking him well to, to Jewish royal lineage. Yeah. Okay, and then he's also uh, linking him with the founder of the Jewish race. Which is Abraham. Abraham. Now, okay. what is, what's so significant about him being not only the son of David, but the son of Abraham? Well, that he was a Jew. Okay, so he as a man, as the God-man, he was a Jew. Mm-hmm. But um, as, you know, as the son of David, he was he was the a, a royal Jew. Mm-hmm. So remember, he's writing to Jews. Yeah. Okay. So those two things will resonate with Jewish readers. And like, I think too with Abraham, he promised Abraham, "Your seed will bless all of the nations." Yeah. Um, and Jesus Christ is that specific seed come to bless. And in Every Luke, nation and family. And in Luke, and I think we mentioned this in the last episode, in Luke, um, Gabriel came to Mary at the Annunciation, which we'll get into in a minute, and said um, that he's promised the throne of David. Yeah. That Jesus, the son that you have, be promised the throne of David. So, yeah. And then he gets, so that's kind of his intro. And mm-hmm. then what he does, he starts with Abraham, and he goes through the lineage um, and uh connects it with with the house of David. Yeah. So the the, the tribe of Judah. Mm-hmm. And goes through so he talks about in verse 5, you know, Boaz and Ruth and and Jesse and David and and goes all the way through uh, uh, and it's interesting he says and Jacob begat Joseph the husband of Mary of whom was born Jesus who is called Christ and he didn't say of Joseph and Mary. Yeah. He just said of of Mary of whom that Jesus was born. Yep. So even though uh, Luke gives us the whole story of how the Holy Spirit overshadowed, that was Matthew's way of saying he was not born of a union between Joseph and Mary. Yeah. He was divine. It's subtle. It's subtle. It's subtle. Again, consider his Jewish audience, but he's saying that he was the, the son of God supernaturally. I think it's, it's cool, too, looking at Jesus' Jesus's genealogy is he had important people. He had King David. He had prostitute, Rahab. They were actually revealed women and men, which typically you would just go down the, the with the men. Mm-hmm. Um, he had all kinds of people, good and bad, messed up and seemingly non-messed up in his genealogy. Um, Jesus has come to save everybody, which yeah. I think is wonderful, even seeing that in his own genealogy, which is cool. Um, but then Joseph is told, so we fast forward, he's told, that um, he does not need to divorce Mary. So Joseph is going to divorce Mary. When he finds out that she's pregnant, he thought, okay, I'm going to be a good man. We're going to do this quietly. Um, you know, I'm, We're not going to cause a big stink about this. Let's just be done with it. And then an angel shows up and is like, hey, stop. Um, I know it sounds like she's given you the worst lie of all time, but she really is pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Like, she is not just making this up. And um, he's basically saying, 
Um, don't divorce her. Stick with her. The Son of God is in her womb, um, and he's going to be called Emmanuel. And there's that word, in fulfillment of the prophecies. And that word Emmanuel, that name Emmanuel, means God with us. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. This is, again, kind of some interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, that that passage um, is because he said, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. That's Matthew one twenty three. Yeah. And the angel Gabriel is saying these things to Joseph in a dream. Well, that's from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Mm-hmm. Okay, the word virgin there in the Hebrew is Alma. And there is another word that that in the Hebrew means a woman who has not had had yeah, sexual relations. Yeah. Okay, but but Alma uh, means a sexually mature, uh, marriageable maiden, a young woman of whose characteristic is virginity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what that means. And scholars will say, okay, well, how's this working? Well, this is one of those times, and there's a lot of these in the Bible where there's a dual meaning. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there's a dual meaning. So in Isaiah's time, there really was a woman who was a marriageable age, who was a virgin, but she got married and she had a son, and they named him Emmanuel. Mm. That really happened. Yeah. Okay, but Isaiah is using this to say, but this is a predictor of the coming of the Messiah. That there will be a virgin, except in this case, it it was a, yeah. a, a woman who had not had sexual relations, mm-hmm. and she, she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and she gave birth to a son who just wasn't named Emmanuel. He was God with us. Yeah. So there's a dual meaning there. So in the case you ever wondered about that, there there was that woman actually happened to, and then it happened as a prof- prophecy, a prediction of something was going to happen hundreds of mm-hmm. years later. But but it re- concerned Jesus Christ, and so here we see Jesus Christ, who really, literally is Emmanuel, God with us. And so now, as we're sort of piecing this together, we see the King of Israel, the one come to bless the world, has come to be with us, and He is God with us. Yeah, God has come down incarnate to bless the world and to rule over. His kingdom. Yep. And and for all the men who are listening to this right now, put yourself in Joseph's position. <laughs> what what do you think would have gone through your mind when the girl that you love, uh, and Joseph was most likely much older than Mary, and she was mm-hmm. probably a teenage girl, an older teenage girl. And so you're a spouse of this woman. You're essentially almost married, but you yeah. just haven't consummated the marriage. But so you're, you're, you know, there's a process. You're getting there. And then all of a sudden, one day, you find out she's pregnant. And she tells you this incredible story of how an angel came and told her that she was going to be the mother of God, of the son of God, and that's why I'm pregnant. And you're like, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> that's like Jaron telling you he was sleepwalking when you got <laughs> Yeah, I caught him one night trying to sneak out of the house with one of his friends at like 2 or 3 in the morning. And, and I said, what are you doing? And he said, uh, 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 I'm sleepwalking. I said, you're not sleepwalking. Get your clothes off and get back in bed. And I... Yeah, he tried. That would be the yeah. That's probably the same kind of effect, except for Mary, it was true. Yeah, and you can imagine Joseph, and obviously he didn't believe her. Yeah, he didn't believe the story. I mean, who would? If you're speaking in purely human terms, right? Who would? He, so, so guys, he didn't believe her. So, 
you know, and he was probably hurt and he was mad and he was upset. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to say, no, I'm trying to tell you this is a God thing. Yeah. I'm pregnant. It's a God thing. And so, but he had a lot of character because he could have made a public spectacle of her and he could have made a big Shamed news. Her. But he loved her so much that he said, look, let's just, let's do this quietly. We're going to end this thing. I'm going to end it. You know, we're going to divorce. Um, again, it's a little different back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just going to put you away and I'm going to move on with my life. Yeah, that's which is what a lot of men do. Is I'm going to move on in my life, mm-hmm. and then and then it takes another. It, what an act of God on Mary gets her pregnant with the, mm-hmm. with the Son of God, an act of God through an angel in a dream. By the way, God speaks to Joseph through dreams, which yeah. is pretty cool. Which is like the original Joseph, the original Joseph. Anyways, Joseph oh, the Dream Interpreter. Oh, Joseph the Dream. That's right in the <laughs> Old Testament, and. Uh, and so Joseph, God comes to him and says, yeah. look, you know, what she told you is true. She wasn't lying. Mm-hmm. And once he heard from God on that, you know, he heard from her, but once he had that heard from God, then that settled it. And yeah. that kind of shows the, the quality and the character and the nature of Joseph is what a righteous man he was yeah. and a man of faith that he believed it and said, you know, okay. Now, y- you know, he's thinking, okay, so she's she's going to be pregnant, Jesus is going to be born, you know, in the timeline beyond our wedding. People mm. are going to people are going to be talking. It, and they're going to figure out it's going to be scandalous. Yeah, but think about the fact that Joseph was willing to be obedient to God and allow scandal to characterize a, a scandal which was not a scandal. Yeah, but allow that to characterize his life for the sake of the coming of the Son of God. Mm-hmm. That's so, excellent. So, men, how many of us could have done that? Kind of shows that Joseph was a pretty big man. Yeah, pretty big man of God, and it makes you just say, you know, Lord, I want to help me to be like that. Yeah, that character. That's excellent. And so we see through their faithfulness, through Mary and Joseph's faithfulness, we've got this King coming into the world, blessing the world, um, and He is God with us, come to us to save us, to teach us, to guide us, to help us. Um, that even the name Jesus is Yahweh is salvation. I was going to say we need to talk about that because that's what it means. It's Yahweh is salvation. It's or, a or, form of Joshua, right? The Old Testament um, Joshua means God is salvation. And I mean, man, even if we want to put that together, Joshua leading the people of Israel into the Promised Land, fighting their battles. Here comes our warrior King Jesus, blessing the world, fighting our battles. We yep. can just go on the battle of sin, exactly. And and he says two things: his, and he shall be called Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Mm-hmm. So it's God with us and God saving us. Jesus, mm. God. So that's what that's what you get with Jesus. You watch Christmas story in a nutshell. It's God being with us and God saving us. That's powerful. That's it. That's why Jesus. That's if you want to sum up Jesus' whole life. That's excellent. He wanted to be with us in order to save us. And and with that being said, I, I think now we can ask the question, who did Jesus come to save? Well, then we see these wise men show up from the east. And these were Gentiles, wise men, um, who basically were coming. They were possibly from Persia. We don't know. Um, who were coming to see this Messiah. They were Gentiles, but they were actually patiently waiting for this Messiah. And they see a star that in some way points out to them, here, here he is. Here comes the Messiah. Yeah, obviously they were astrologers, and this mm-hmm. star was not. Some people try to say that it was a you know a normal star, and I think it had to be supernatural because it moved. Now I know the stars move across the sky. If you've ever put a, a telescope and mm-hmm. looked up in the heavens, if you walk away ten minutes and come back, whatever you were looking at's moved. Yeah, it, it hasn't moved. The Earth has moved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> it it did move. The Earth has moved, but this star moved. 
Hmm. It, it had a motion. It moved and and led them. So this was a supernatural event, is my theory. What cued them that said, "There it is. Let, I, let's pack up our stuff and go." I think they understood the prophecies. Mm-hmm. I think so. There was some understanding of the prophecies that that had to do with the star, and so somehow, and I think there was a divine enablement, divine mm-hmm. knowledge from God. But what is interesting? So these are magi. They're wise men. They're astrologers. Mm-hmm. They're um, philosophers. They're educated men. Yeah. Um, obviously wealthy, mm-hmm. but what's interesting is that Matthew is written to, Je- to Jews, and after he goes to great lengths to give this genealogy of Jews and mm-hmm. say that Jesus is a, is a Jewish set prophecies. and prophecies, and and he's quoting Old Testament scripture in verse one and chapter one, chapter two, he starts talking about Gentiles, yeah, showing up, and I think we're the, so different from what Luke records is that he's saying, which is just so out of character, but he's saying. Subtly again, he, he's not just the king of the Jews. He's king of everybody. He's king of everybody. Yeah. And, they, and these Gentiles show it. And so they come up, and uh, it's an interesting story. That So they don't know. They don't know what this star comes over Bethlehem. Well, comes over Israel. Mm-hmm. So they go to Jerusalem, and they say, where is the king of the Jews? We've come, seen a star in the east. We've come to worship him. Well, they'll, you know, made a, you made a comment earlier, and you were, you were right, but— but some people might be out there going, wait a minute. There was a guy named King Herod. Mm-hmm. Now he wasn't the like king, king, king. king. Yeah, right? He was he, the leader of the Jews per the Roman government. Yes. They had put him in a position, and so you have. You know, where's this king? Well, Herod, who was crazy, literally, yeah, psycho. That ticks him off because he's all of a sudden, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got a, I got a competitor. I'm the king. Yeah, I'm the king. We got to take him out. You kill him. So uh, he says. You know, well, he gets the, the 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 leaders, the Jewish leaders, and they say, "Well, Jesus, I mean, the Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem, mm-hmm. city of David." So they they head that direction. Well, sure enough, the star heads towards Bethlehem, so they follow it. And uh, what's interesting, uh, first of all, a little trivia: there's always three wise men. Uh, we actually, the Bible doesn't say how many wise men there are. <laughs> it's just become a part of our culture, yeah, and they even give them names, but there's no names. So that's funny. Yeah, from some from tradition, some back they give them names, but because there were three gifts, they assume they assume there are three magi. But most likely, a caravan like that, there would have been lots of people in it. Would that have been a dangerous travel? Oh yeah, with so bandits and whatever. Yeah. So you would have had a large caravan with soldiers and whatever. Uh, so we don't know how many magi mm-hmm. there were, and uh, interestingly. In Luke, we're going to kind of go backwards, but at this point, the Bible says they came to the house where the child was. So the child's already been born, and then they've transitioned into a home. Right. Now. So he's born in a stable, a manger, whatever, mm-hmm. but obviously they can't stay in the manger, and she can't make the trip back to Bethlehem because once you've had a baby, a woman you takes recover, weeks yeah. to recover. So they found a house. So I don't know if they rented a house mm-hmm. or somebody opened their I home think they to Airbnb'd them. It, there you the go. Airbnb. Yeah, they got on the, they got on the internet somewhere. and found it. Yeah, the Jewish great rate too. Jewish Israeli Air, Airbnb, <laughs> and so great rate for a shilling and a half. And so they they go in this house. So that's interesting because a lot of people have in their nativity scene they got the magi at the, the nativity, stable. and it's, that's not the case. Yeah, it, they came to a house, mm-hmm. and Mary and Joseph are there, and she's recovering, and then they come and they present the gold, frank, frankincense, mm-hmm. and myrrh, uh, which some people said there's significance to them. Yeah. Because the gold, you know, is um, for his wealth as the king and the frankincense. Is, the immortality and 
something else. Yeah, and then the myrrh is what you use to bury. Yeah. You, you use myrrh in a burial. Mm-hmm. So it kind of represented his death. And I guarantee you, because Joseph and Mary were poor, that gold came in handy. Probably paid for their trip back right, home. Right, and helped them while they were there yeah. to pay for it. So isn't it great that we see the provision of God for the Son of God yeah. um, through the most unlikely sources? Wow. Something just a lot of people never think about. I and think they, that's excellent. And they came and worshipped him. Yeah. And so they saw him not just as some man or baby that's fulfilling some prophecy. They saw him as a divine being. Mm-hmm. Isn't that incredible? A baby. A baby. And it's interesting that the Jews had a hard time accepting him Mm -hmm. as God and couldn't see past his flesh. And these Gentiles came and immediately saw past his flesh and saw God. I think think that does immediately speak of God's plan and God's power to save, that these were Gentiles. And at that time, they thought only the Jews would come to worship. Jesus came to save everybody. And they were learned— wise men and probably had money I assumed and came to bring gifts and everything, but they were able to humble themselves and submit and worship a baby. <clears throat> Not something that everyone that educated and that whatever would be willing to do. Um, oh, it, yeah. it just shows Jesus's salvation from the beginning. He came to save everyone. However much money you have, you don't have no matter your education, no matter your background, no matter your ethnicity, um, it goes back to that Abraham seed thing. Like he came to bless every nation, every family, and he's doing that from the get go. Yeah, and by the way, birth. let me let me help some people here in, in Christmas time. Uh, the Bible says in chapter two, verse eleven, that when they saw him, the first thing they did was they fell down and worshipped him, mm-hmm. and then they gave him gifts. Worship was their first prerogative. Yeah. So this Christmas season, make sure you recognize the real reason behind Jesus mm-hmm. and Christmas, and worship him, and then go give your gifts and yeah. do all the gifts thing. Don't, don't make the gifts. Don't go get stressed out about gifts to the point that you forget to worship him. Yeah. Don't let that, don't let that ruin you. Even the wise men had enough sense to make sure they kept them the reason for the season. Mm-hmm. I was very wise of them. Very wise of them. Yes. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, now this next part, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's cool in what happens, but I think the typology is cool. So let me preference that. I don't enjoy Herod killing babies. I do enjoy the typology. So Herod, crazy guy, crazy king of the Jews, finger quotes, hears about this king being born, that he's a child, and gets threatened and thinks, somebody's here, he's going to take my throne, you know, what's going on? And so he issues this decree well, well well right but but wait a minute sorry I'm so he tries well it's okay but he tries to, so he tries to use the wise men yeah he does try and use the wise men he says men. oh go find him yeah. and then come back and tell, tell me, me and i'll come back and worship it well no what he was going to do is kill find him, him and kill yeah. him he didn't kill if there's a baby well it's interesting dreams again there are three dreams mm-hmm. in the matthew christmas story so joseph has a dream from gabriel then the wise men have a dream and says, don't go back to Herod. A different way. Go home and go a different way. So they leave. Mm-hmm. Then Joseph has a dream and says, Herod's coming. Get to Egypt. To kill the baby. So you need to you need to immigrate. Yeah. And then interesting. So he immigrates to Egypt. Yeah. And runs for his life. Herod doesn't know all this. And so go ahead. And then he, so he goes in that area. And basically says, kill all the young male babies. Right. Kill so them the, all. So the wise men are gone. So they can't. He can't. They can't identify mm-hmm. the one baby 
baby Jesus. Jesus kill them all. So this wacko, this psycho, says, all right, and he sends ro- soldiers in. It would have been Roman soldiers, I don't think. It would probably been Jewish soldiers. And says, go into that region. Then evidently he's around there in Bethlehem and kill every baby you find that's two years old and under. Ugh, that's Which, just hard to even imagine. Oh, it's just it's brutal. It's Ugh. it's uh it's inhumane. Yeah, it is. And, and uh and that actually fulfilled a scripture. There was a this was predicted. A voice was heard in Rama, lamentation, weeping, a great mourning. Rachel weeping mm-hmm. for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Yeah. So that part is sad. So what is it? What's the typology? So here's the typology. Now we think back to another situation in which a young baby is saved from a crazy tyrant killing all you know all of the males which is pharaoh in egypt and so we think back to moses um all of the israelite boys are supposed to die but moses is saved um and he eventually is raised up as the deliverer as the deliverer the savior he is the savior and so through jesus now coming as this new moses uh, in a sense and a better moses um, we see Jesus has come to teach his people as Moses does, to deliver his people from bondage as Moses does, but this time bondage from sin. We see Jesus um, to establish his kingdom as Moses leads them into, um, you know, to, to the wilderness to eventually become a brand new people. Jesus is forming not the Israelites, but the church. Jesus is here um making kind of a spectacle of Herod and that Herod's not the real king, just as Pharaoh was not a real, you know, the real God, king. And he's highest, coming whatever. out of Egypt just he's as Moses out came out of Egypt as Pharaoh's son to go back in to Which deliver fulfills them. another prophecy. Out, so of my, you have, out of Egypt I have called my, call my son. son. Yeah. yeah, so you have Jesus migrating to Egypt, and then when Joseph has one more dream and God mm-hmm. says, okay, it's safe, Herod's dead, you, he died, you can go back. Yeah. Then they come back, uh, and he comes back out of Egypt as the deliverer mm. of not just Israel, but all who will believe in him. Oh, yeah, okay. That's so, powerful. Uh, the, the, and do you think Matthew meant to do that? And that, Again, it's that subtle. Absolutely. He's hoping that his Jewish audience kind of picks up on that. They absolutely would pick up on that. Oh, that's pretty cool. realize, okay, what's going on? And right. it help them out once they get to the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus is speaking as an authoritative Moses. He's already established that theme. There you go. Um, but that's cool. So as we walk through the the as we walk through Jesus being born in Matthew, just to summarize it off, we just slap it together. We've got this brand new king, the Messiah, come to bless the nations as promised to Abraham. He is God with us, and He is Yahweh, our Savior. He's come to save all people, uh, as indicated by the wise man from the east. He's come to form a brand new people and to deliver them from their sins just as Moses delivered his people from bondage. There you go. This is Jesus. Um, So now we move on to the gospel of Luke. And so Luke is writing more to a Gentile audience. He writes to a guy uh, named Theophilus. He calls him most excellent Theophilus. My dog's name is Theo, and occasionally I refer to him as most excellent (laughs) Theophilus. (laughs) I was going to say, you could name your first grandchild. If you were born, you could name him Theophilus. Oh, then I just think of my dog. I don't know if I want to do that. No, you can't do that. I don't think I want to do that. Anyway, so he's writing to a Gentile audience. He is really emphasizing. uh, He still has got definitely prophecy in there. He he doesn't divorce Jesus from his Jewish context, but he's also um, wanting to show that he's come to save everybody. But here's what we start out with. He actually shows us the announcement to Zechariah 
um, and to Mary. So to so to Zechariah and Elizabeth about John the Baptist, yeah, who was uh, born first. Yeah, there were actually two births. Yeah, and Luke. And Luke. And the, he he begins with this and then shows us the announcement to Mary, right. which is really important. And I think what's cool here is we actually see um, kind of a contrast. So he shows up to Zechariah, the angel does, and he says, hey, um, you're going to have a son, and it's going to be miraculous. Now, Elizabeth is old. She's past childbearing years. God just loves doing that for some reason. That's his thing. Did it with Abraham and Sarai, and he's doing it with her here and basically says, we're going to have a son. Well, Zechariah questions him. And this is not an a innocent, just tell me how this is going to work. It's evident that he doesn't have faith. He doesn't believe it. So then the angel's like, well, it is going to happen, so get over it. Also, you're going to be mute until the child comes out. And so Zechariah responds with a lack of faith. Well, then the angel shows up to Mary later on and says, you're going to have a child. He's going to be the son of God. And Mary responds in faith and trusts in the Lord, ultimately. And so now we see this contrast of lack of faith, faith. Mary has faith. Zechariah does not and is muted for it, which I think is very interesting um, comparing these two people who have received these these announcements. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And um, and Elizabeth is caught in the middle because mm-hmm. Zechariah is her husband and, and Zacharias is her husband and uh, I mean Zechariah. And Mary is her cousin, mm-hmm. and um, she, she probably was not really pleased with Zachariah, but he, she probably said to herself, well, I think he's learned his lesson. Yeah. But then she goes to Mary, and she praises her for her faith. Yeah. And I also think shows right there that here you got a teenage girl, and you got a seasoned old man. Who's working in the temple. Who's actually works <laughs> in the church, we would say, and had less faith than Mary, a little yeah. teenage girl, which shows it's not always age. Yeah. It's your spiritual, it's your spiritual status. But can you imagine what it was like for for Mary that um, that she's minding her own business, and an and, and an angel shows up. Yeah, she's just living life. <laughs> right, and all of a sudden this angel, and you know it's an angel. It's not like a man. Like there's this supernatural. She knows yeah. it's an angel, and and obviously it uh, had to freak her out. Oh yeah, and. Um, Everywhere in the Bible, we see people falling down and all of these various things. Well, I love it because it says when she saw him, she was troubled. Yeah. And actually, she was troubled at his saying. So it's pretty cool that as a teenage girl, I'm sure it, it affected her, but what affected her more was was how he was talking to her. Mm-hmm. It was what he was saying, not so much his presence as a as an angel, and that he said, uh, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. And yeah. she's thinking, I'm just a little... Who am I? Teenage young woman, young girl up here in Nazareth. I'm in the I'm out in the country. I'm a little country girl out in the middle of nowhere. Because mm-hmm. Nazareth is in the middle of nowhere and wasn't a whole lot going on in Nazareth. And she just couldn't understand it. And then he gives that annunciation, do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And you're going to conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob and God's going to give him the throne of the father David, and he's going to be great and the son of the highest. And you can just imagine she's taking all this in and processing it. And it's and, clear messianic language. This oh, is running through her mind. Yeah, like, because she's a Jew. Oh my gosh, I'm about to birth a Messiah. And then, and then, but instead of being theological, she's really practical, and yeah. she's like, "How am I going to get pregnant?" 
And it's different from Zechariah. It's not not faith. It's just tell me how this is going to work. It's, it's the how. Yeah. It's 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 mm. just the process. Yes. Okay. I believe, but how is yeah, this going to work? work? <laughs> okay. Because I have not known a man. Yeah. You know, sexually. And that's when he told her that's supernatural, that the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you, the power of the highest, and that thing born in you will be called the Son of God. And ladies, just think, if you were her, how would you process that? And would you go, whoa, 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 no, 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 I don't, uh-uh, uh-uh, I don't can't do, I don't think I can do that. You know, because if you're really thinking through is, okay, I'm going to be pregnant, but I'm not married. I'm already in trouble. Yep. I'm going to be in the front page of the Nazareth Gazette. Joseph's definitely going to divorce me. Yeah, Je- Joseph's going to leave me. You can just imagine what's yeah. going through her mind. But God picked her on purpose because she was such a woman of faith, young woman of faith, mm-hmm. with a willing heart to be a servant. And this was such an unbelievable thing. And instead of fighting it, bucking it, questioning it, I love her response is basically – um let it be, behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I'll wow. do whatever you want me to do. What what a woman she was, yeah. a young woman. Um, and it's interesting, too, because, you know, she was questioning this, and then the angel said, let me, just, let me just remind you that with God, nothing shall be impossible. Elizabeth is pregnant, and she's too old to have children. Right, and you're going to not be with a man and, and have a child through the power of God. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is a God thing. With God, maybe yep. somebody today just needs to be reminded. You may be facing something that seems impossible to overcome or impossible to get through. Just remember, mm-hmm. with God, nothing will be impossible. Absolutely. So that's a good good word to have today. I think what's cool here too, and other people have pointed out, um, this guy, this really, this early Christian named Irenaeus, Irenaeus of Lyon, pointed out the typology here that Mary, in a sense is the new Eve. And what he means is that sin was born into the world through Eve. She received a message from an angel, a fallen angel, bought into his message, and sin entered the world. But now through Mary, a humble girl, not buying into this message, but receiving the message from a pure angel through her faith and obedience will actually usher salvation into the world, which I thought was a really... Interesting comparison. That is an there. interesting comparison. Uh, that now, through a woman, salvation will come about. But yeah, I, I think all of that is excellent, her obedience and her faith. But then we move on, and we get this picture into really what Mary was thinking, um, and she, she sings this song. This is one of the earliest, really, Christian hymns, if you think about it. She sings a song that in Latin is called the Magnificat. You may uh, hear it called that, uh, which means my soul magnifies the Lord. And they call it a song. Even the notes in my Bible, subnotes, it's it's a song. But it says Mary said. Yeah. I mean, even the angels hark, the herald angels sing. They didn't sing. Yeah. They said it. So I I think this is more prophetic. It could be prophetic, it could be poetic in a sense. I, I think it could be prophetic and poetic, but I, I don't think it was a song. I honestly think the Spirit of God came on Mary mm-hmm. and she had a prophetic moment and makes this declaration. And it's called the Magnificat. And a lot of times we just kind of skip over it. But it is incredible because she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My mm. spirit is rejoicing in God. She she has this incredible opportunity, something extraordinary that's about to happen to her that's going to happen. You know, when God comes over her, then the next nine months, and she's going through the process of gestation and then the mm. delivery of this baby, 
that in the face of society and their expectations, and uh, just and instead of freaking out or being anxious, she she goes into she starts churching, start praising, yeah, she's she praise time, she's worshiping <laughs> the Lord, and because she said he's regarded the lowly state of his maid servant, she said I'm just a nobody. He's humble. But yeah. yeah, but God took me and used me, mm-hmm. and henceforth all generations are going to call me blessed. She, she understood the ramifications of what was happening here. Yeah. And she's right. And then she just talked, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear from generation to generation. And, and the whole thing is just glorifying God and magnifying God and talking about all the good things that God has done. And I mean, she starts with her, and then she just moves to Israel. <laughs> she moves from like she is being humble, praising God, and then says that. I mean, she's not doing it in any way, pointing to herself, but those who are humble and those who are low are the ones that will receive salvation, and those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Right. We're going to see this contrast. Like he's been good to me. Humble yourselves too, Israel, and he'll be good to you. Yeah. And that's what he said. He, she she said he. he he, he's filled the hungry with good things, the yeah. rich he sent away, but he's helped. So she said, if he's done it for me, he'll do it for you. And then she said, he's helped the nation of Israel. And then she said, and then he spoke to our fathers, and, and then he, and he even did great things for Abraham mm-hmm. and, and to his seed. And she just gets this picture of, she goes from her and just spreads out to the entire nation, to even to Abraham. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole point was, if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. If he did it for others, he'll do it for you. And I think that's just something, because we just, I don't even know if I've ever preached this passage in all the years, because mm-hmm. it just seems like it's so easy to skip over. It, you we, just kind of read it and you're like, oh, cool, Mary's happy. Mary's happy. On. Yeah, you know. But what I think, if you want to centralize the theme yeah. is, God can work through me, and if he can work through me, he can work through you. And let's just take this moment right now. If somebody right now is thinking, you know, I'm, 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 I'm from a small town, or I'm not anybody important or whatever. Listen, none of that matters. No, it doesn't. God, if you're saved, you have a destiny. Mm-hmm. And God, there are, pe- there are people that only you can touch, people that only you can reach, things that only you can do mm-hmm. that I'll never do, you'll never do, Evan, yeah. that they're going to do in yep. your context. And you have to say, God— can use me, and I need to be humbled by that and be a servant and be willing. And the ramifications of that, only history will tell, only time will tell. If you'll humble yourself, a humble king came in the form of a humble birth in a barn from a humble woman from some tiny little town and blessed every nation on Change Changed the world and changed people's lives and, and yeah. talk about eternal significance. Eternal significance. Humble yourself and, and God will be faithful and he'll use you. Um, then we move on to Zechariah's song. I, I think it's interesting we have these two songs here. We don't have to spend a lot on this, but he highlights how Christ will actually come and destroy their enemies so that they may worship in peace. And then how John the Baptist will call people to repentance and to the remission of sins and that remission will be by Jesus Christ. And I think it's interesting um, how Mary is calling people to repent, or excuse me, to humility. John will be calling people to repentance, and then this king, Jesus, will destroy their enemies. And in that day, he was probably thinking, literally, King Jesus is going to overthrow Rome, who's hindering our worship. We can't worship in peace. We don't have our own nation. And little did he know that King Jesus would actually come to die on a cross to defeat not Rome, but Satan and sin, it our actually, enemies. It actually says in verse 67 that 
he prophesied. Yeah. So that whole passage that you're just you put in a nutshell was a prophecy. By yeah. the way, can I go Pentecostal here? Because our readers know our readers, our listeners know we're we're Pentecostal. You, you see, it says that Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. His his wife Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Crazy thing. John the Baptist, while still in his mother's womb, filled with was Spirit. filled with the Holy Spirit. You have Zacharias prophesying in the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth walks in the door. And John hears Mary's voice and leaps Mm. in her womb, and immediately Elizabeth prophesies. She hasn't seen her cousin. Yeah, She doesn't know that her cousin's pregnant, and she immediately says, my baby just heard the voice of the mother of God, the mother of my Lord, Mm. and she immediately had revelation that Mary was pregnant with the son. Not just pregnant, but pregnant, because I can tell you're pregnant. No, she knew he was pregnant with the son of God. Yeah. And I, and then you got Zechariah prophesy. You got the Holy. You got Mary giving this praise time in the spirit. It's it's pretty powerful. Some of the Holy on? Spirit activity, mm-hmm. the miraculous activity that's happening surrounding the birth of Jesus. That's pretty cool. Isn't and that's it? drawing up prophecies, but praise. <laughs> A lot of it's not just like this is going to happen. It's like blessed are you. You're you're carrying yep. the Son of God. You are the Mother of God, the Mother of our Lord. The Holy Spirit is drawing up this. This excitement, you almost yeah. get this feeling of it, of expectancy, um, of this excitement that's going on, which I think is really cool. Oh, yeah. That's um, why we praise. And then we move on to Christ is born in Bethlehem, which you mentioned is the city of David, and he's visited by shepherds. Um, once again, we see that city of David uh, theme there that as he's born in Bethlehem, the city of David, he is the descendant of David, come to be the king and the Messiah for his people. Yeah, and I know... We the shepherds are really significant because they were the outcasts, and they and, were visited by an angel. Correct, an angel told them you need to go. Yeah, and then they went and visited, and yeah, they were right. the outcasts. Well, one angel came and told them, and mm-hmm. then the skies were filled with angels that were proclaiming. Wow, you know, hark the herald angels mm-hmm. saying they didn't sing; they said it. Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill to men. And angels were the outcasts. They were the lower echelon. You mean they shepherds? Were, I mean shepherds. They were the <laughs> yeah. Sorry, they were not to be trusted, and they were. They were the out. They were on the outskirts mm-hmm. of society, and yet God sent angels, divine angels, I mean, and divinely created angels, supernatural beings, to say to them, "You need to go see Jesus." Yeah. And then you talk about Matthew. You got rich, powerful, educated, wise men going who, to see who aren't Jesus. Jews, yeah. Who aren't Jews going to see Jesus? Lowly shepherds who are poor and who are out, who are outcasts to be thieves, and stink. And, yeah. And nobody wants to. It's God saying through Christ mm. to everybody, Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, you need to come, come see, come, come to see Jesus. Jesus came for everybody to save and to redeem. What a glorious picture! Oh, yeah. as, as I imagine them together, uh, I, you know, I don't know how it played out. I don't know that the wise men were really there with the shepherds, um, but for a moment, slap them together and put the angels in the sky. All of heaven and earth are proclaiming the glory of God and the salvation that He has for us, which yep. I think is beautiful. And then they get there, and then you know we got to talk about this. Everybody knows this is this is on the front of the Christmas cards, but it's just sad. They went. The whole reason they went to Bethlehem is because there was a census. Rome had a census, and so they went to the city of David because mm-hmm. Joseph was of the line of Judah. Okay, yeah, and so he goes there to be counted in the census, and it's slam packed, and they don't have. A hotel six, motel six, and a Hilton, and a 
Hampton Inn on every corner. Every Airbnb is booked. Every Airbnb is They'll booked. They'll get one eventually, but yeah. Yeah, but forever. on that night, they got there, and she is great with child, as they say, and she's ready to give birth. And um, uh, evidently, she went into a, either a, a, an erected building, a barn, or she went into a cave that they had cut out and used to store the, the animals and the cattle and the donkeys and whatever. And there's a stall in there, a manger, <clears throat> which is a wooden crate that you put hay in and feed and uh joseph cleaned it out cleaned it up real good and i guess he was the one that did it i don't know if there were midwives in the town or what it's crazy but she gave birth to jesus in the worst most unsanitary conditions wrapped him up in cloths swaddling clothes or just cloths wrapped him up real tight and uh laid him in the manger so the manger was a crib (laughs) and um that's where he laid his head that night it's crazy, and it's incredible. And you know, fortunately, mm-hmm. it seems like within a short amount of time, they they did find a house mm-hmm. somewhere they could go. But there was no room in the inn. You know, yeah. there's no room. That innkeeper missed out on the greatest opportunity. Yep. Little story there is that you better be careful. You don't fill your life with so many other things. You miss out when Jesus shows up. Mm-hmm. Better make room for Jesus. That's good. And uh, yeah, that that's the part of the story. Obviously, we 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 can't let leave out. But yeah. Uh, you know, you just think about it, it was so humble, and yet what an amazing moment when God came to earth in flesh. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Uh, I guess we probably need to close this out and kind of just wrap it up as what's the significance of all this. Mm-hmm. And I've got some thoughts. Go for uh, it. Um, I think, one, uh, it's it's a, a, a reminder that our salvation is supernatural. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took an act of God to provide for us a Savior. Uh, it, salvation's totally from God. Yeah. So when you see Jesus in that manger and that that virgin birth and that supernatural birth, uh, it, it's it's supernatural. Yeah. You don't save ourselves. It takes God. I'm um, second. God's salvation is a gift of grace. You think about Mary. Mary was chosen for a special reason. There's any number of Jewish girls that could have been picked or chosen, but it was an act of grace mm-hmm. that she was selected to bear God's son and. It was undeserved. Yeah. She knew that. And I think that's the way we have to be is our salvation is undeserved. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think another thing is the is that the birth of Christ is evidence of Jesus' uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Okay. No no other baby had been, was, or ever will be born like this baby. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, I think it's evidence of God's sovereign power over nature. It was miraculous. And, uh, you know, she— it was a virgin birth, virgin conception. It was an act of God, and God's able to do the impossible to accomplish his purposes. And uh, I think if you spiritualize it, the miracle of Jesus' birth makes it possible for the miracle of new birth mm-hmm. for every sinner. That's excellent. So those are kind of some things I see out of this that we can grab a hold of here at the end of this episode. One last thing I would add is, um, you know, there's there's a season— as we're leading up to Christmas, we, we oftentimes, we get into Christmas time, right? But there's actually a season on the church calendar called Advent. Advent. Yep. And Advent is the, is, is the patient waiting for the arrival of Jesus. And I think we see this. We see this with the announcements. Obviously, Mary has to go through nine months. She's patiently waiting and waiting and waiting. Israel has been waiting and waiting and waiting on their Messiah, on their Savior. And he finally does arrive. And I think for us, we can be reminded— um, that right now we are in this season of waiting for the second advent of Christ in which he's going to come back and 
retrieve his bride and take his church away. And I think we're reminded um, that we can place ourselves in the story. Even Simeon, this old man in the temple, he's he, the, the Lord told him, you're not going to die before you see the Savior. And he's waiting and waiting and waiting. And when he finally sees Jesus in the temple, he says, I can die now. And so for us, we're in this period of waiting and waiting and waiting, but Jesus is going to come back for his people to finally, fully, completely save us and bring us out of this world of sin and create a new heavens and new earth. And that's good. We can put ourselves in that story. Yep. So I think um, so. That's good stuff. That's Christmas time. We hope you have a wonderful, awesome, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Filled with fun and laughter and family and food. Food and presents and all that. And ultimately filled with with Jesus and remembering yeah. the birth of, of our Lord and our Savior, and we hope that this episode has enriched your Christmas time and brought you closer to the Lord. Yeah, and if if the Christmas story is just a story and it's not reality in your life, I we hope that you'll see why He came. And if you're not a Christian or you're not saved, or maybe you've gotten away from the Lord, that you'll say, you know what? I see the hand of God. I see what God did just mm-hmm. because He loved me and He wanted to save me. And humble yourself and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and come into my life and. And, and change me. If you love me that much to go to that length, I'm going to love you back and give my life to you. Absolutely. All right. We are going to have our very first segment. I don't even know what we're going to call it. Bonus question time? I don't know. Works for me. <laughs> Basically, what, we want, what we'd love for you to do is that if you have any kind of random Bible question, whether it has anything to do with an episode or not, Find us at High Praises Church on either Facebook or Instagram. We're located in Anderson, South Carolina, High Praises Church, and send us a direct message. No matter how wild or crazy your question is, we would love to answer your question very quickly at the end of an episode. And if it's just so good, we may even make an entire episode about that question. So today we have got a question that was sent in to us, um, I believe via Facebook. And so are you ready for the question? Do you think we can knock it out? We're going to try. This one's interesting. So here's what it says. So I know the Bible says to not talk to a medium. How does that work in terms of the afterlife? Are mediums actually channeling our loved ones or are they demons? I think that this is an excellent question. I think it's a question worth asking. I think it's relevant. Um, our world is, to be so uh, not committed to Christ, our world is oddly obsessed with the supernatural and with the spiritual. People doing tarot cards and um, Ouija boards and all other kinds of wild things and um, people who still try and contact the dead. So I think this is an excellent question. So basically, when we work through a medium, are we talking to our loved ones or are we talking to demons? Okay, so, and I know the person who sent this, I'm sure because of the way it was questioned, had in mind a story from First Samuel 28 when Saul, who was the first king of Israel, mm-hmm. but God had taken the anointing off of him because he disobeyed, he failed, yeah. and now David was the next person. He wanted David to be king, but there was that... Saul was still technically positionally the king, right. but David had already been anointed. pre-anointed. Pre-anointed, anointed, and so it was just a matter of time for Saul was going to be killed, and mm-hmm. David eventually would become king. Um, Saul had been close to Samuel, the prophet. Well, Samuel had died, mm-hmm. and so at least Samuel helped 
keep Saul to hear the word of the Lord to keep him somewhat in line, even though he'd become disobedient. Yeah. Well, foolishly, he they had kicked out all the mediums or the people who would talk to spirits. They kicked him out of the country. So uh, he told his his team, "Find me a medium somewhere." So they found one. They, it's often been called the the Witch of Endor. Uh, oh, that sounds like Lord of the Rings. It does. It does. So there's a woman who's a medium Endor. And so Saul disguises himself, and he goes, and um, and he said, I want you to conduct a seance for me and, and for the one I name. Um, and, he, and so he said, bring up Samuel for me. So this is the prophet, okay? Mm-hmm. And so she goes through her little incantation, whatever. Well, she's shocked. She's shocked. She screams because there Samuel appears. Mm. Okay, so that's where people wonder. Well, did did it work? Yeah. All right. So there, there's two things here because I think the the person who asked the question also had an, they asked also about demons. In this case, I think because this is the only case like we really have that I know of in the Bible where mm-hmm. this really kind of happened. Um, the, the medium didn't do this. Okay, I think God did this. Yeah. Because in that time when you died. You went into the heart of the earth in a place called Abraham's bosom, Upper Hades, Upper Sheol. It was a place of comfort, but you didn't go to heaven. And so I'm convinced that's where Samuel was. Well, God supernaturally allowed went, went there and said, Samuel, I need you to do something, mm-hmm. okay, for, for my divine purposes. So this is not prescriptive. It's just descriptive of a one-time event that God permitted. I don't think this is prescriptive, that yeah, God absolutely. does this regularly. And so Samuel appears, um, and uh, and so he speaks to Saul. But mm-hmm. so God uses that. But that's a one time event. So I don't think that's God's normative. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's exceptional. It's a one time thing. You don't see it happening anywhere else in the Bible. But you do read about mediums and people like that who talk to spirits and whatever. So here's my theology and a lot of other people's theology. I think that people do who do. Things like that. There, there is a story in the New Testament about a woman who was a fortune teller, mm-hmm. and Saul cast a she demon. demon possessed. She was demon possessed, so she was able to quote unquote tell the future, or whatever. I think anytime you have anything that falls along that lines, a medium, anything like that, yes, I think it's they're not calling up our loved ones. I don't think you can call up loved ones. I think it's a deceptive move of the Holy Spirit. I mean, of the demonic spirit, rather. Yeah. Okay. Not the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The demonic <laughs> spirit. Uh, it's a deceptive move of the demonic spirit, and um, if 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 Satan can appear as an angel of light, then he mm-hmm. could probably take on the form of of something that looks like a, you know people say I've been in a seance. I heard you know I heard their voice or they spoke or whatever. Or they I called my mother and she answered. You know whatever you get in these seances, it's all demonic. Yeah, every bit of it's demonic. You have any thoughts? Yeah, I would say like first of all, God clearly. Said it's a sin. He said, right. "Don't do it." And in the Levitical law, you killed him. You killed him. You killed him. Right. If they so were found out. Mediums are not of God. I think it's clear. Saul, his heart was not for the Lord, and he's trying to talk to Samuel, but he didn't go to God. He knew that if I went to God, God's not going to bring up Samuel. I've got to go to this medium. So he's trying to go through the devil to get a word from the Lord. To get a word from the Lord. <laughs> Which I think is clear there, you know, and I think you're right. We, we talked about, we did that episode on demons a couple episodes ago, and they're deceivers, they're evil. Um, even when worshiping idols, there's demons behind those idols. Yep. Um, 
they're deceptive in the world. And, and so I would say you don't need to do that. I, I would say to try and have this, uh, this one-on-one conversation with someone who has passed is unnecessary because if you truly need like advice, wisdom in that way, go to God. Yep. Don't, you know, go to the um, word of God, go to living people yeah. who are people of God. Yeah. That's, that's, you're not, you're not going to have a God experience. That's going to be a demonic initiated experience. Mm-hmm. And I think what we say here now then is don't do seances, mm-hmm. stay away from Ouija boards. I've heard people, you know, Christians that have used Ouija boards because I think it's fun. Uh-uh. We, the, the, there are demonic forces yeah. behind Ouija boards, seances, anything along that nature. You avoid that. You yep. you are against that. You um, you you're, you criticize that. Whatever. Yep. That's not for you. So that would be our advice: is you always stay far away from that. Yep. Get away from it. Go to the Lord. And I think you'll be good. That's it. Thank y'all so much for uh, listening to the Let's Talk About God podcast. As always, leave a review, rate us, like us, share it with somebody. Send an episode or two to somebody that you think really needs to hear it. Um, that way we just get more and more exposure, more and more people exposed to uh, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and everything that we're talking about. And have a very, very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll see you all next month. See you.